When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody and welcome to another episode of If You Don't Like That. Today is a little different than normal on my podcast. I think you're really going to enjoy this in a moment, my guest. But first, I want to tell you that today we are brought to you by Gold Country Veterinarian Hospital in Auburn. This is a full-service veterinarian hospital. I've talked so much about it during the King's programming. Their urgent care is amazing and what they do at this hospital, uh, their surgical procedures ranging from, you know, orthopedic ACLs down to dentistry, pain management protocol is incredible. Their love for the animals that come in their care is what really stands out to me. Gold Country Veterinarian Hospital in Auburn, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. Last month, I had Sean Salisbury on like I do each and every week. And I think a lot of people were just kind of like they had their hearts stopped when Sean relayed the story that I knew about from social media. Sean had put out on social media his experience coming across abandoned dogs. I want to first let you listen in on part of that conversation from last month. Well, Grant, I... I, uh... You know, my, my, my girl is a realtor, and two doors down, she was going to a showing at a home and uh, an open house, and her dog's whining two doors down, so went to kind of look, and I'll, I'll just leave it at this. When you got chained up, sweating in a garage, can't get food or water for days. Wow. In a dilapidated area that's nobody's living in it, and you've, like, basically thrown three dogs in there that are skin and bones look like a one right out of scooby-doo you know the skeletal and then another one that's stuck in there another one with scars on its face and and looks like been scarred up for whatever reason and one walking down the street and this it was all by chance grant it's not we drove around so then i went back there and said i can't do this and i get it's like uh it's not, I grew up in a family that loves animals and compassion. I'm trying to limit talking too much about it because I'll get, like, when I posted it, I see red with this, Grant, I guess. I'll just be really transparent. When it comes to the abuse of children and women and animals, I, um, to the point where, I, when I say lose it, my mind, my, my heart goes into my, I can't take it. 
And so when I found out about this, I immediately went over there and we got dogs safe and secure. And there's one more that's now reared its head. It's still, and I went back over after work today to make sure they didn't go back and put more there. Cause I don't know what's going on, but sure. it was an abusive, neglected, horrible situation that these animals deserve. But I wouldn't put a rat where they had these animals. Wow. And it was 85 degrees. You got them locked up and they're peeing and crapping in their own, you know, where you got them locked up. And it's like, I can't, you can't do this. And I, wrong with people? I you know, that, that's, that's what I said. What, what, what is in the neighborhood? And I'm like, what, what, what are you, what, what the, what are you people doing? Wow. And so, and I, listen, I don't meddle into anybody's business, but when it comes to this, that's not meddling. That's just human. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 what they were going through is inhumane. And, and like I said, not suited for a rat. And I was going there to, and I listen, Grant, one of these times, and I'm not a violent guy. I know you're not. But I will protect, I will protect those who can't protect themselves. That's how I was raised. Right. And I went over there in mind. It wasn't going to be a kind conversation. I said, please let me one time catch yep. the people who do this just once. Yep. But, you know, got them safe. But I, it's so gut wrenching for me because if I can, if I can find the next one, fourth one, it's coming home with me and I'm going to take it right to the vet and make sure everything's okay. But I, I can't, like I said, it's not like I go around searching. I'm not Gladys Kravitz on Bewitched and going around bothering people, but I will go around searching for safety. I can tell you that for people and animals that can't protect themselves. And in this case, and the fear you see in their eyes when you see them and the, 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 the sad, it just, I can't take it, man. I, I just can't. Well, you just heard from Sean Salisbury in our conversation from a couple of weeks ago, and I was really taken back by all of the comments and all of the people that shared similar stories. And with Sean, you know, it's actions speak louder than words. And uh, so with that said, I want to introduce my guest today, Amanda Connors from Fosters and Paws and Dr. Jay Griffiths from Gold Country Veterinary Care Hospital. That is in Auburn, and uh, they have been nice enough also to be uh, a sponsor over the last month or so, but that's not the real reason why I wanted to have them on. I thought it would be great to go down a different path today and talk about a common problem in our society. And Amanda, I'll start with you. You know, listening to Sean finding abandoned animals that were really just left to die, how often do you come across that in your profession? A lot is the answer to that question. Um, I, this week alone, we've had three litters of puppies left in in various locations um, with, no, with nothing, all underaged, all some needing bottles to be fed, um, and just left, left. One was left in a garbage can, one was left on a levee, and then the others were actually left at a clinic. So, Amanda, when you find animals that have been abandoned, then what does Fosters and Paws do? So, we take the animals into our care. Um, we have a lifetime commitment to all of our animals. Um, but our biggest thing is that we make sure that we get them the proper medical care, which is where Dr. Griffiths comes in. And then, um, from there, we make sure we find them the best home that we can find them through the adoption process once they're old enough. And then Dr. Uh, Griffiths, you know, Jay, you, of course, we talk about your hospital, Go Country Veterinary Hospital in Auburn, and you also uh, specialize in addition to so many other things, urgent care. How often do you get a, a, an animal, a pet that comes in to your care that has been abused? And really, for all intents and purposes, you're saving that animal's life. Yeah, 
Well, unfortunately, Grant, that, that is much more common than you would think. You know, as we just heard from Sean and his visceral response, you know, he, that, that was a one-off in his life where he experienced that uh, horrendous situation. Unfortunately, for both Amanda and myself, we see it almost on a daily basis that, uh, you know, neglect and abuse uh, is, going, is going on in our society. And it is so, um, we, need to, we need to shine a light on it like Sean did to say, hey, look, this is a big problem. And as a community, we can do better. We can, we can step up to the plate and we can help out these animals and, and improve quality of life across the board. Some of these patients, uh, it's just pure neglect. Some of these patients, they're literally abused. Some of these patients are uh, just puppy factories and then abandoned and not properly cared for. And then some of the animals are also, you know, physically damaged, broken legs, um, injuries caused by, you know, folks traumatizing them. And the, the amount of care and effort that goes into getting these animals put back together uh, and the emotional support that, the, that these rescue groups use is absolutely amazing. And it takes all of our medical savvy and skill set in some cases to get these animals back to a place where they can have a quality of life and then go on to their forever home. So unfortunately, to answer your question, far too often on a, on a regular basis. Amanda, what can we do if we see somebody mistreating their pet where we look at that and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that person is abusing their cat, their dog, what have you. What what can we do in that situation? So unfortunately, the laws really have to change in order for us to make a real concerted effort to, to fix that. Um, but my always my reaction when I see anybody abusing an animal is I intervene myself. I, my husband thinks I'm crazy, but um, <laughs> you sometimes you have to step in. Sometimes for that animal, you have to be their voice because they they don't have a voice. Um, the other thing you can do is always call law enforcement. Um, animals in the state of California are considered property, so that's where we have to change our 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 viewpoint on that. And until that changes, it's just good people stepping in and and taking over. Kind of like what Sean did, you know, Sean, that was a, that was a uh, great example of humanity and common sense taking, taking charge and, and stepping into a situation and getting, and, and being pushy enough to get a resolution to get a positive outcome. You know, one of the things that I've chatted with folks about for years is um, the, the human animal bond is so strong and, and it has changed over the decades. You know, if we think about how, um, we, we interacted with our pets back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Even the family dog is treated differently in, in today than it was 30 or 40 years ago. And, and that's great. You know, we, we have the technology, we have the ability, we have the nutrition, uh, and to have these animals live a much more quality life, a longer life, a healthier life. And in doing such, you know, these animals, we, we bond to them like they're our family and our kids. And uh, that that adds to uh, the quality of life for the family, that adds the quality of life for the animals. 
And one of the things that I've noticed over the years is, why, why would we be talking to Grant Napier about these types of issues and Sean Salisbury about these types of issues is, well, that human-animal bond is very similar to the bond people have uh, with their sports teams. You know, and, and sports, obviously, there isn't life and death really necessarily involved with that. But the emotions that go with it, you know, that lifelong Giants fan or 49ers fan or, you know, in our case, maybe Kings fans, you bond so strongly with that, that that feeling that we have with our sports teams is also what's what's happening now with our pets. And we want to reinforce that. We want to be there to be the catalyst to make things go as well as they possibly can. And then also empower the everyday person to, to become a conduit for a better outcome for this section of, of, of pets in our society that's being mistreated and that, that needs help. They may not, those folks may not individually themselves be able to directly change the arc of that, but there are people like Amanda and myself that want to help and it's getting those animals in front of us uh, or or just being being part of helping with that solution, either through adoption or fostering, um, even even donations will, will will be very helpful with that. And folks like you helping us shine a light on this problem. Well, I know that you had a show for three years in the early '90s on KFBK Pet Talk, and so I was wondering what were what what was the theme of your weekly shows and was there one common denominator that you heard from your audience as it related to their pets yeah you know grant that was a that was a fun time and that was that was a great show thanks for bringing that up uh you know that show was uh, designed around answering questions to help folks be able to have a better quality of life with their pets you know uh, a lot of it's like when we go to our doctors, we, we have a limited amount of time, face time with our doctors to answer questions. And a lot of times we can't even think of the things we need to ask when we're in there talking to them in that five or 10 minutes. And on the veterinary side, it may be the same way. You have a, you're visiting with your doctor, the animal's having this issue or that issue, and we can't get it, we can't get it all covered. And so, you know, my role during that, that period of time was, answer whatever questions they happen to be. Was it medical? Was it behavioral? Was it nutritional? Um, you know, uh, what, are, what are some options? Uh, you know, one of the things that I found over my years of working in veterinary medicine is you have to have a team behind the care of the pet. And that, that team would be potentially a surgeon, an internist, a generalist, folks that can help so that not everybody has to be an expert at everything. But together, we can put together a really, a really nice recommendation from getting to point A to point B to maximizing quality of life. And now here we are in 2023. We have to add in the pseudo professionals um, like Amanda to be able to con- connect that additional need that has unfortunately become so such a big problem. And I, I would have to say that in the last five years, it has doubled and tripled in the frequency of us seeing problems compared to, you know, 20 years ago. The, pro- the, the problems got worse during COVID, but they were ramping up before COVID. And um, now these problems have just gone completely sideways. 
Amanda, I know you have a new adoption facility in Auburn. How does one become a foster and adopt pets? Oh, thank you. Yeah, we did. Um, we have this great location right off of 49. And um, the best way to do it is go to our website, www.fostersandpods.org. Um, you can fill out an adoption application there. Um, and then same with the foster application or volunteer. We do definitely need some volunteers up here to help us with the day-to-day activities with the dogs and and making sure that everybody's well taken care of. You must come across everything in your line of work. What would be some of your favorite success stories, Amanda? I think my I think one of the ones that I'm most proud of is very recently we had a Frenchie come in who um, had prolapsed, and we uh, it was a good three months. Of- well, when, let me step here and go quick. <laughs> when, when Amanda says prolapse, <laughs> we, we, we need to describe that a little bit, but in a, in a manner that we won't lose our listeners. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, it was a rectal prolapse that um, was about six inches of prolapse tissue. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty significant. It was probably one of the worst I'd ever seen. And both Dr. Griffiths and I looked at this dog like, well, we're going to give it our best go, but we didn't know the outcome for him. And um, it took us about three to four months to get everything under control and get everything put back into place. And then um, he was just actually adopted last Friday by a wonderful lady who has done, I mean, she sent me videos and updates on him, and he is just thriving in her home. And for me, it's one of those dogs that you just, we don't know what the outcome's going to be. It could go either direction but with the help of Dr. Griffith and his staff over at Gold Country and just working diligently to get him better we we saved that life. This is truly a 24-7 commitment for you at Foster's and Paws <laughs> isn't it? I mean what what drives you and how do you deal with the the, the, the worst of the stories the sad stories and you know, we maybe call that uh, compassion fatigue how do you deal with all of that in your line of work? I try um well, I, yeah, it is a 24 hour commitment. It is. There's some days that don't end, um, for sure. Um, I think for me, for the compassion fatigue, I really try to compartmentalize everything. And I, at the end of the day, if it's been a tough day, I get to sit down with my wonderful, loving husband who, puts up with all of my shenanigans and he really listens to me and I have a great set of volunteers and board members that when I've had a tough day I can call and and talk to them about it and and just know that it's a moment versus an an overwhelming sense of Mm -hmm. just just giving up because we can't give up The, the bottom line is we can't give up we have to keep fighting and every single day a dog needs my help so it's I put all my energy into one dog. Maybe the next dog I save is cute and fluffy so that I don't have to spend as much, you know, emotional energy on that dog. I can just play with that puppy, and, and that gives me um, that, that resets my clock. You know, Grant, you bring up uh, com- compassion f- fatigue, and the, the animal care industry is it's a it's a it's one of those things that is a severe problem that isn't really talked about. In the last couple of years, uh, some some veterinarians have brought this to light. Uh, you know, it, folks that work in the veterinary industry, unfortunately, the, the suicide rate has jumped dramatically 
um, in the last decade or so. And it, and it is because of compassion fatigue. You know, the, the, the veterinary caregivers, whether it's the veterinarians, the, the veterinary nurses, the folks in rescue like Amanda, um, the, the sadness that we see sometimes on a daily basis can really become overwhelming. And what Amanda pointed out, I think is, is good counsel for, for anybody that's going through this type of stress. One, we have to compartmentalize. Two, we have to have a really good support structure. Amanda has a husband who backs her 100%. I have a wife that understands that, you know, our fun day might get interrupted at a moment's notice and, every, and I have to go do surgery. And, and that happens like every week um, where something changes. And, you know, if we say no, it's a disaster. Right. And, and we know, and we know that we know that if we say no to what we're being asked, an animal is probably going to die. And, you know, there's only so much we can do, but we have to pit, we have, we have, we're, we're committed to the profession and we're committed to um, our patients and the animals that we care for to have as good a possible outcome as we can. And it's a lifestyle we've adjusted, we, we, we've said yes to that fulfills us. You know, one of the things that you brought up over the years is you were either going to be a sports announcer or you're going to be an airplane, airplane pilot. Right. You knew, you, you knew your path, right? right? Yes. So, so I, I can tell you that for me, I knew my path when I was a teenager, you know, I've been working in veterinary hospitals literally since I was 15 years old in wow. one capacity or another. Wow. And, um, so those folks that came into my life, they understood that, Hey, you know, yes, yes, I have a life outside of, of veterinary medicine and what I do, but that also is what I do and who it's, it's who I am. It's who Amanda is. And we know that there's, there's more folks out there, um, that have that gene that, that Amanda has that maybe just haven't had an opportunity to, uh, utilize it. And, and that's, that's why giving her a call and, and chatting with her would be super helpful. Uh, I can't tell you how many men, how many folks I've mentored over the years that have gone on to go through veterinary school. And we have this talk, this talk right now that you and I are having about um, compassion fatigue is something that I highlight hmm. on a regular basis with my staff on how we work through this so that we can be the best for everybody. We can be the best for our clients, our patients, and then uh, our family. And then more important, most importantly, when we get through all of this, we have to be okay ourselves. And, um, and so there's, there's a skill set that comes with, with managing that so that, so that we're emotionally okay. And, um, it's not something that we can necessarily walk through in, in, in this time frame. but I'll put it out there that if anybody needs to have that conversation, I, I'm willing to have that conversation. And I suspicion sure. Amanda is as well. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, like Dr. Griffiths was talking about the fact that this is something that's always been in my bones. My parents from a very young age um, taught me about animals and we always had animals growing up. And um, I knew someday I wanted to run a rescue, but for the last 20 years, I, well, 15 prior to starting Fosters and Paws, I worked with rescues. I worked with shelters. I got to see the day in day out of different, different organizations and how they ran. And then when it became my turn, I got to do everything that 
I have always wanted to do and not listen to the, the stuff that I didn't want to listen to. So, mm. um, but for me, yeah, keeping the fosters up, their spirits up, maybe we have a bad day with a, with a dog or, or, you know, we get a tough case and, or we get puppies that don't make it or whatever it is, really being available for my fosters and, and knowing that yeah, this is a 24 hour job. This is not a job that we can take lightly. And, and yeah, we might be on vacation and, and get the phone call from our foster that something's going wrong. And Dr. Griffith far too many times has come in on his days off <laughs> to save me from, from myself and these animals. So it is something that I think more people need to understand with the compassion fatigue, what it's like working with animals. It's Jay, a little different. They, they don't get to tell us. Jay, I have uh, had dogs in my life uh i received one on christmas eve when i was seven years old and i'm 63 now and i uh, i thank the lord that i've never had to put a pet down but yet you have people that have to come into your hospital and this is part of your job and i know how emotional it is just from reading people's stories on facebook and other social media platforms so what advice would you have for someone who has an aging cat, aging dog, lifelong pet, and now they know that they have to put the pet down? What do you tell those people? Well, that's a great question. And um, uh, the answer to that is there, we, we want to we keep the pet as comfortable as possible for as long as possible. But there becomes a point in time where quality of life isn't there. It isn't there for the pet. It isn't there for the family. Uh, finances and emotions may start to come into play as well. And it's okay. To, it's okay to say it's time to stop. Uh, we don't have to go to the bitter end. You know, on the human side, you know, we talk about hospice care and hospice care on the human side, you know, those caregiver givers are absolutely amazing. And, they they allow folks to have quality of end of life care the vast majority of the time. And the way I the way I look at, at euthanasia is this is the final stage of hospice care and we're gonna we're gonna allow this family member to end its days in the most humane, pain free way possible. And Personally, years and years ago, I, I, I took a look at euthanasia and, and, and pictured it in a different manner than um, this, this, pet, this pet is dying at my hands and took it as I'm going to end the suffering today of this pet and that's also going to end the suffering of the family. Mm. Um, you know, cause the, the, the fa- most family members, unless it's an acute issue, most family members, this is an, a very emotionally draining time for them that may be days or weeks in, in getting there. And um, us being able to intervene and allow that pet to pass in a, in a pain-free, humane way is, is a blessing, quite frankly. And, um, you know, so as hard of a conversation as that can sometimes be to initially have with folks, when we actually get to that point where that's that's the best option for this pet, I would I would rather see the pet 
go peacefully as opposed to linger and suffer for two or three more days or mm. whatever it's going to be. And, um, you know, humane euthanasia, unfortunately our pets, you know, they're, they don't, they don't live to be 70 or 80 or 90 years old. You know, they, they have a 15 to 20 year lifespan and, you know, through good care, we can get them to that point. But when it's time to say goodbye, we, we want to be able to be just as humane in that component of it as we were in helping the pet have a quality of life, getting, getting to that, that senior stage. So for me personally, um, I'm sad for the family and I feel for the family. You know, I've had my own pets I've had that have, I've had to go through that with. So I personally obviously know how all that feels, but at the same time, we have an opportunity now to make this go so much more smoothly and um, less sad, you know, and uh, it doesn't, mm. it doesn't make the herd any sure. less, but, but the, the thing I always try to, con- to convey to my clients that are experiencing this is they're making the right choice and they're, they are not being selfish by letting their pet go as opposed to hanging on for another day or so that's not fair to the pet. And they will have, they will then have the lifelong memories of all those great memories the pet had up until that point. Final thing, Amanda in the shelters. And again, your adoption facility in Auburn, I know donations are important for what you do. And I know the big day of giving is important for someone that like myself, Amanda, I live in a condo right now in Florida, and unfortunately, I'm not allowed to have a pet. I would love to have a pet, but it is against the rules of the condominium building that I'm in. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that would love to have pets that can't. How can they help you? So puppy socialization, we would love for people to come up to our facility and just play with puppies. Um, I think every shelter has a need. Um, Every shelter, every rescue has a need for that. Ours is is pretty significant based off of our um, mission to save pregnant moms from from shelters. So the um, just coming in and helping. Uh, monetary donations are huge. Um, without a doubt, we spend close to a thousand dollars probably on every single animal that comes through, whether it's um, you know medical vaccines. They need. They all have to be spay or neutered. And then we have the big ones that have some, some pretty significant issues that come through. Um, but yeah, just time. Time is one of our biggest donations that we can give. Now, Amanda, when's the Big Day of Giving? Big, big Day of Giving is this coming Thursday. And it's all day. Um, starts at midnight and ends at midnight. And it's a day where the areas um, get together and raise a ton of money for all the nonprofits in the area. Um, we are fortunate that um, Golden One, if you have a Golden One account, um, they will double, they will match the donation up to $100,000. Um, and we have a few um, donors that will be doing some matching as well. And then um, other than that, it's just whatever we can get. Our goal this year is $20,000. Awesome. Amanda, 
Jay, uh, I thank you so much. I think this is such an interesting topic, and it hits home with so many. And again, after the conversation, which we heard part of at the beginning of this podcast, you know, about what Sean experienced, I I think it resonated with a lot of people, and people started asking questions. Gee, what should I do? What can I do to help? You know, what's it like for the people in the veterinarian profession and in shelters? So uh, you enlightened me, and I'm sure you've enlightened our audience, and I, I really thank both of you very much. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. A footnote to today's show. Sean Salisbury was on yesterday again, and I informed him about today's podcast, and he had this to say. Well, thank you, Grant. I, you know, I know people like to get new puppies and stuff, but, man, there's so many out there that need love and care. Grant, I don't even know if I've talked to you about this. You know, the three dogs that I went to and we saved and put them with somebody else, do you realize just under two weeks ago, I don't think I told you this. A black lab, people had a rope and a chain both around it that was choking this dog so bad that they left it alone that there's four all the way circular around the dog's neck. The hair has been rubbed off to the point where it's raw. Well, we went and they ran away, and somebody posted they couldn't take the dog. We went and picked it up, got all its shots and did it all, and not just fostered it. It's now Opus 1, named after that great wine because she's a survivor, she now lives with us, so we added a third dog, and I got no room in my bed. They're out of their damn mind, but I love them. And that's not a pat on the back. It's just that I know people will foster. When I bring them into my house, I'm like, after like 27 minutes, I'm, a, I'm like, I'm, okay, I'm not giving this dog to anybody. I'm keeping it. So we just rescued one, another one, and this dog is such a sweetheart, and my big American bully loves it. So we got three of them, and we got small, medium, and large and it's kind of funny to watch, but we added it. Uh, Grant, I'll be coming and staying with you soon because I'm about out of my own <laughs> home, brother. But that's a great thing you're doing. Sports, we get all day, every yeah. day to talk about it. We don't talk about it enough. So I'm grateful I had another dog to the fray. But more importantly, that I can't wait to hear that podcast, yep. what you're doing tomorrow. Because Thank you, buddy. these animals and these dogs need it. The abuse is sick. Uh, it's great stuff from Sean Salisbury, and I really hope that you enjoyed us getting into this very sensitive topic. Uh, Jay and Amanda were great, and Sean Salisbury is just absolutely unbelievable. It's time for Grant's Rant. And we do make the segue to Grant's Rant, and, and it is brought to you by... Fosters and Paws. You just heard from Amanda and the great work she does, a group of animal advocates working primarily with dogs and shelters. And again, you heard from her. If you want to adopt, you want to be a foster, just go to fostersandpaws.org. Hey, Kings fans, be grateful that you don't have a Dylan Brooks on your team. Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies not playing any longer after getting eliminated in six games by the L.A. Lakers. Brooks' act has gone very old. It is tired. He is unprofessional. And I don't know how Memphis is going to move forward with a guy that appears to be a malcontent and all about himself. His act in the series against the Lakers was unprofessional, to say the least. He blew off the media in games five and six after the game. The guy is as unprofessional as it gets. Be grateful again that you don't have Dylan Brooks on your team that you cheer for because that would not be easy. And that is my podcast for today. Really appreciate again my guests, Jay and Amanda and Sean, for his insightfulness. He's incredible. Have a fabulous rest of the week. And we'll talk to you next time on If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. So long, everybody. Hold up. 